0: If you would like to borrow a Bible this morning, would you please raise your hand and the ushers will bring you one. You can follow along with us this morning. As you can tell, the world did not end yesterday. (laughs) As there is a famous false teacher who predicted that and they were ready to roll. Jesus, uh, you're not supposed to do that. But it but I made me think that uh, I, I did a wedding yesterday, and I was, I was messing around with a guy. I was like, are you more excited about getting married or Jesus coming back and you know, making him feel guilty, you know? Like, <laughs> 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 but I just, th- I just think about uh, th- that we, we need to have with us this anticipation of his return and this urgency that every day we just get excited about the possibility of Christ returning. And I want to preach every Sunday as if this is it. This is my last chance I, I get with you. Uh, maybe I'm going to go be with the Lord, maybe you're going to go be with the Lord, or maybe he's going to come back. So we gather this morning with a sense of anticipation and urgency. For this morning, we're going to talk about faith And when the Bible talks about faith, it often tells stories of men and women exhibiting faith. Uh, You can think about Hebrews chapter 11. It just gives this uh, small description of faith, but then it launches into a variety of stories of faith. That's no different with our, our text today in Matthew chapter 9. So let's turn to Matthew 9. In Matthew 8 and 9, we've been seeing these stories of faith. We're actually going through the book of Matthew now. And Matthew 9 continues these these stories of faith. So let's, let's stand this morning as I read to you our passage. Matthew 9, starting in verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, "'My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live.' And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute player's And the crowd, making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and and the girl rose. And the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it done to you. And their eyes were open. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon possessed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. You may be seated. Things may be a little confusing for you as we are going through the book of Matthew. You kind of were tracking quite well with the Sermon on Mount as it progressed through the different topics But now we're just into this combination of stories. Here's a good way to think about it. The Sermon on the Mount was his authoritative teaching. And now we're starting to get into his authoritative actions. His authority over disease. His authority over nature, as we saw last week. Over demons of sin and blindness. And today we'll see even death. And this authority as it is as manifested, it proves Jesus' identity. He is the Messiah. He is the, the Son of God. He is the one who has come, the promised Messiah. And throughout this whole section, eight, chapter 8 and chapter 9, the focus has been on Jesus Christ. Now, today, like I said, we're going to talk about faith. And you may think that as we start to talk about faith, it takes the focus off of Jesus and places the focus on humans I and mean, what that's what I thought. I, I've been kind of hesitant to talk about faith through this time, though I have mentioned it because it keeps coming up in time and time again. But I, I've thought to myself, I don't, I don't want to bring it up too much because I don't want to take the focus off Jesus and put the focus on humans because it keeps coming up. In chapter 8, we saw the faith of the leper, the faith of the centurion. Uh, we saw the faith of the paralytic and his friends or the lack of faith of the disciples, by the way. And, and this, this week, we continue to see the faith of this... Leader, we'll see, talk about him a little. We see the faith of the woman, and, and she's commended. Look at verse 22. Um, Jesus said to her, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And then he says to these two blind men in verse 29, He says, According to your faith be it done to you. So Jesus keeps emphasizing and commending faith. And I think to myself, Don't do that, Jesus, because it takes the focus off of you and it puts it on faith. But see, I'm wrong. This is my, my misunderstanding. I'm thinking if you emphasize faith too much, it's going to put the focus on faith. But, 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 that, but that's a wrong-headed thinking here. Because I think what's going on here is that it doesn't take the focus off Jesus, but the, the faith magnifies Jesus. Jesus these people are actually believing that Jesus can do supernatural things for them. These people are actually believing that he is the Messiah. They are exerting great faith, but the focus is not to be on them. It is their faith that is focused to magnify and to glorify and to say, Jesus, you are of great worth. And so as we go through this passage today, my goal is to attempt by the power of God, by his grace, by his spirit, to see all of you stirred up in faith, not so that we can focus on your faith, but so that we can magnify and focus better on Jesus Christ. This is going to be a great day. I'm telling you, this is going to be a great day of us magnifying Jesus. This is going to be a great day. So let's, let's work our way through this and see our faith stirred up. This is powerful, powerful stuff. So Let's jump in. Verse 18 with this ruler. While he was saying these things to them, this is Jesus he was teaching prior, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. Now this this ruler here, there's not going to be any comment or commendation on his faith. And you think, well, he must not have exhibited faith. It's like the Bible doesn't even have to say anything. He's coming to Jesus, and he's like, yeah, my daughter's dead. Can you raise her? That's faith. That that speaks for itself without even having to say it. This guy is manifesting great faith. He's asking Jesus to raise the dead. And so Jesus goes along with the man, and as he's going along, we're going to have a story within a story. As he's going along with this man to raise his daughter from the dead, he's going to encounter this woman who has an issue, and she exhibits great faith. And and you kind of wonder, why is there a story within a story? Um, Many scholars believe that in God's providence, it happened this way because as the man is going along with Jesus, I wonder if he's thinking to himself, is this really going to happen? Is Jesus really coming with me to raise my daughter from the dead? I think, I think he can do it. I believe he can do it, but maybe there's some doubt. And so as he's going along, he encounters this woman who's going to be healed through exhibiting great faith. And we'll get to that story in a second. But uh, the scholars believe that the reason why that story is within the story is to encourage that man's faith. He's going to give him an example of faith right in his face in order to encourage his faith in Christ. And it's, it's a beautiful picture of... All of us sometimes need to have our, strength, our faith strengthened by watching the faith of others. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, remember last year on Mother's Day, maybe you were here, maybe you weren't. We had this woman stand up here. Um, we, we did an extended interview with her about going through the challenges of a very difficult marriage and how she stuck it out and she saw God's faithfulness exhibited, but we also saw her great faith. And when you were going through challenging times in your marriage it sure is good to be around someone who's gone through a lot of junk prior and stuck it out so that you can persevere in the future. I mean, that's kind of one of the point of our ethos communities is to be around each other and see us exhibit great faith in suffering so that we can persevere. For example, in my ethos community right now, this is, I have permission to share this. We have a guy in our, in our ethos community who's been going through some very difficult times at work where some ethical issues have come up, and he has the authority and power to actually speak against the ethical issues that have come up and bring it to light. But if you bring those ethical issues to light, who knows what's going to happen? And you saw a lot of anguish in, it, in his heart. We were praying with him. And this past week, by faith, he stepped up, pre- presented the ethical issues, and it's still being resolved, and who knows what's going to happen next. But for us men who are walking along with him, we, our faith is strengthened by his faith in the Lord to trust him, trust in the Lord to deal with these ethical issues at work. And that's what we need. We need examples of faith. When we're struggling, we want to persevere in our faith. We need other people to show us what does it look like to show and exhibit great faith. And that's what's going on here. In God's providence, this ruler is about to have this woman exhibit great faith right in his face. This is awesome. Watch this story within a story. Once again. Verse 19, and Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. Verse 20, and behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. So not only does she have this 12-year physical problem, but she has this 12-year religious problem. It's a religious problem because this continual flow of blood made her this outcast from temple sacrifice, from ritual sacrifice. And so she could not enter the temple, and no one could touch her because if they touched her, they became ritually unclean. So her state was similar to that of the leper. But she thinks to herself, here comes Jesus, she thinks to herself, if I can only touch his garment I'll be made well like you you kind of want to go up there and say that that's not very good theology (laughs) it's almost like a, a superstitious faith it's it's a magical faith it's a a faith healer on TV that wants to send me a piece of his clothes to touch me so I can be healed you know what I'm You know what I'm talking about? And so you're you're like, oh, this is not going to go well. But but look, verse 22. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Can you believe it? He doesn't rebuke her for her imperfect faith. He doesn't go off on her for this like, "Oh, oh, you're so silly woman. How could you even believe that? He doesn't say that. But she had this faith, and it was in Jesus. And because she acted in faith, she was healed. So I I would love to talk about, like, what do you do with this? What do you make of her superstitious faith? Or what do you make of her magical faith? And I I think here's the answer. I think this is is right. I studied it this week. I was like, oh, what, what do you do with this? And here it is. The issue is not always the strength of faith but it's the trajectory of the faith. Yeah, I mean, her faith had some issues, the superstitious part of it, but it wasn't perfect, but the object was perfect. It was Jesus Christ. It was directed toward the one who was perfect. And this should be encouraging for some of you who, who feel like, some of you feel like your faith is not perfect. It's not that you have a lot of bad theological ideas floating around, though some of you may, but some of you just have a lot of doubt mixed with your faith. And you you got the right direction, but you know you have... some doubt, and you, and you and you and you kind of struggle a lot, and you think, "Well, it's my life's worthless, my faith's worthless because it's not as perfect as this girl's over here, or, or this guy's over here, or it's not as good as the pastor's faith." Because you know, the pastor's got to have this perfect faith, and and you and you, and you start to think, "I'll oh, just forget it all." But the trajectory, the direction you're moving, has just got to stay on the object Jesus. Because nobody in here has perfect faith. If you had perfect faith, you would never sin, but you do, because you're choosing by lack of faith sin over Christ. So are you with me on there? So I found it very helpful. M- many of you uh, have had this professor up at Trinity, D. A. Carson. He he explains this this lack of perfect faith this way. He says, imagine on the night of Passover. Let's go back to the book of Exodus. Remember when all the plagues are happening, the last plague's about to happen, and they're, you're supposed to put blood on your doorpost so the angel of death will fly over you. So here's two neighbors, two Israelites, and they're talking over the back fence. And they probably didn't have fences, but let's just pretend they're talking over the back fence. And this neighbor over here says, man, I don't know. I I put the blood on the doorpost like God commanded, but I'm scared for my firstborn son. I I just, I'm so scared. I I wonder what else I should do. I I just don't know. I'm I'm scared he's going to be killed by the angel of death. And then the other neighbor talks over and he says, well, I put the blood on the doorpost, and I believe and stand upon the promises of God, and you need to believe God is faithful. You need to trust him. His word is true. And this guy's over here, and he's like, I don't know. I mean, I did it. I did what God said, but I I just, oh, I'm scared for my son. And so the night comes and the angel of death comes. And so here's the question. Which firstborn son died in these households? Neither. Neither one yeah, this guy had some pretty strong faith, and this guy over here was struggling, but the trajectory was upon God and his promises and his faithfulness. For those of you in here struggling in your faith, you don't feel like it's perfect enough, and it's directed toward Jesus, it's directed with his salvation in mind, and you're moving that direction, even if it's little small steps and not everything's perfect, you, you need to be encouraged. It's the object that you must magnify. It's, it's Christ. He's the perfection. And, and we want to encourage you in weak faith, encourage me in my weak faith, but we want to keep moving in the right direction of perfection of Jesus Christ. And that, that, should, that should be encouraging to you and to me that no matter how weak our faith is, we can keep moving in the right direction. So let's go back to the story, okay? So, so the woman, she She's healed. And now let's go back to the the story within a story, the the main story and the, the man. Let's see how he's faring here. Back to the dead daughter, verse 23. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Now, this, this is an interesting cultural thing. They hire professional mourners. Uh, they come in and play flutes, and they cry. And Jesus kind of walks into this scene. Girl's dead. Big commotion. And, she's, and he's like, hey, 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 She's sleeping. She's not. She's just sleeping. Like, what's he talking about? And, and I don't think he, he's, he's saying, well, it's not that she's not dead. No, he's, he's basically saying... I'm about to treat death as a nap. I'm going to go up to her and I'm going to wake her from her nap and I'm going to raise her. He's about to do something supernatural that only the great God man can do. He is going to raise her. But look what the crowd says at the end of verse 24. It says, and they laughed at him. Don't don't run ahead to the healing yet. Can you imagine being the father of the girl? Jesus, will you come with me to heal my daughter? Okay, let's go along. Oh, oh, look at this woman with this issue of blood. She's just healed. Wow, maybe Jesus can heal my daughter. Jesus shows up at the house, and he's like, ah, she's just asleep. And then everybody starts laughing. Uh, That would be kind of a blow to my faith. I would start to think, uh, am I out of my mind? Is Jesus really going to raise my daughter? Uh, I would start going a little conflicted in my mind, conflicted in my faith, and I would would just start struggling in my faith all over again. And I just want to tell you, here's the reality, and and the sooner you get this, the better. Here is the reality. Someone is always going to be messing with your faith. There's always going to be someone messing with you. Let me put it in a different way. Someone's always going to be messing with the object of your faith, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, you know, if they mocked me, they're going to mock you. So there's always going to be circumstances, people in your life that are going to be challenging you when you want to take steps of faith. And this is not like an isolated story. L- l- let's just jump down to the last story. Would you do that real quick? Look at the last story, At more mocking, more slander. Look at verse 32. As they were going al- away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. <laughs> but the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. It's like, can you believe that? So a mute man can now speak because demons have come out. The crowds are amazed, but the Pharisees saying that Jesus is casting out demons by super demon powers. And it's interesting. You think that some of the crowd are start to move in the direction of faith in Jesus and the Pharisees cut it off right away. And once again, it's a story of people moving in direction of faith, get messed with. I believe, I, I've, I've talked to, to many of you, I don't know all of you, but most of you in here, you have, um, you have callings upon your life. You have a vision or a dream, not to glorify yourself, but to glorify God. Are You, you know straight up commands from the word that you want to obey to glorify God. And, and you are stepping out on faith, doing some pretty amazing things. And as you are stepping out on faith, people are messing with you. Uh, There's students in here that are going to leave for the summer on these things called summer projects or whatever they're called in your organization. And you're going to go tell people about Jesus. I know some of you are about to leave for a year or two to go on stint or to go on whatever it's called and tell others about Jesus Christ. And as you've been doing fundraising, as you've been sharing your vision with others, people have started to mess with your faith and there are some students in here that so wanted to go on Summer Project this summer, but you're not going because of the naysayers, right? People are messing with your faith. They're saying, oh, that, that's just stupid. That's not a very good idea. And so you're, you're discouraged. I'm going to say it again. I want you to get this now. I don't know what age you are, but for those of you who are younger and in college, I'm just going to say, from here on out, for the rest of your life, if you want to take steps of faith, people will mess with you. If no one's messing with you, you got to ask yourself if you're really taking steps of faith. If really, if, if everybody's saying, great, great life, you've got to ask yourself, am I taking any steps of faith right now? Because someone should be messing with you. And, and the reason why that happens is because... Not everybody is going to have a kingdom vision like you're going to have. Uh, Unbelievers will think that you're crazy. And believers that don't have the kingdom vision will try to discourage you. So just know from right now for the rest of your life, as you take steps of faith, people will question you, challenge you, and there will be pushback. And when the pushback comes, because it's going to come, what are you going to do? Well, I think you just keep going back to Jesus, who he is in his character. Because he is the object of the faith. And you know what? It's up to Jesus whether he wants to raise the girl or not, yeah? It's up to Jesus whether he wants to give you a breakthrough in your life. It's up to Jesus to fulfill these visions you have to glorify him. It's up to Jesus to do whatever you're asking him to do as the object of your faith. And so I say we just throw everything back on Christ and step out in faith. And that's what the man does. Jump back to verse 25. Let's see what happens. People can mock and laugh all they want. but Look at verse 25. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose, and the report of this went through all that district. I love it. Get these mockers out of here. Don't you wish you could just kick the mockers out of your life? (laughs) Get out of here. And then he picks her up by the hand, and she was alive. I mean, it's like, even some of you are going, did that really happen yeah, it really happened. He, this girl came back to life. And as amazing as this story is, it's a hint of something greater that's going to come in Jesus. Because when Jesus dies, he comes back to life. And then he's never going to die again. His work on the cross actually worked to forgive sin, to bring salvation. And as he rose, he's never going to die again. And so we want to have our trajectory of faith, our direction of faith in the gospel, in the finished work of Christ. And the reason why I say that is because many of you take steps of faith, let's say, for healing. Maybe you want to be healed or someone's really sick and you don't want them to die. There will be the reality in this world as you take steps of faith, people will still die. Some will still not be healed. And that's why I think that that the idea has to be in something greater than just the manifestation of a physical healing because Jesus rose again so that one day you may rise again. And when you put your faith in him, you can meet with Christ one day. The, The reason why I bring this up is because recently, about 10 days ago, there's some friends of ours who have family members, and we've, we've been praying for this girl. She's probably around 13 years old. The girl in the story here is 12. The girl we knew, uh, part of our family friends, she was 13. Her, her name was Kaylee, and she had cancer. And I remember thinking there was a little turnaround in her cancer, and we were praying for her, like, wow, there's a little, little good news here. But about 10 days ago, this, this 13-year-old girl, she, she died. And, she had family praying for her, but, but she died. And I got an email that morning. Melissa and I got an email. And I want to share with you some excerpts from this, of this email from her brother. This is, her, this is the brother, the little 13-year-old girl that just died. And I want you to listen to his faith that magnifies Jesus. Okay, listen to this. He says this. He says, glory to God, There was a miracle today. What? Although not quite what we had hoped for, at ten fifteen a.m. today, Kaylee went to be with the Lord. And then he explains why this is a miracle. He talks about her conversion. He says, at an FCA Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp, she professed repentance and faith in Christ when her mom was present. And so he says, by the blood of Christ shed on the cross and the power of the resurrection, she's been reconciled to God and her sins have been wiped away. And so he goes back to that day, being grieving The day she dies. We grieve deeply, but we grieve with the hope of the resurrection. We think of the story of Lazarus, where Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He says that Lazarus' story will not end in death, and Jesus raises him. Kaylee's story will not end in death. Therefore, we have received a miracle today. She is with the Lord. I'm like, "That, that is some faith. That magnifies Jesus. And I I bring this up because as our faith moves in the direction of Jesus alone, his authority alone, to heal now, to fulfill our visions now, and to bring our deliverance now, we have to see beyond this life. That through his death on the cross and his glorious resurrection, there will come a time where there will be no more sickness There will be complete deliverance from our sin, and all of our visions will be amplified in the glory of God. And so we have to keep our faith moving in the direction of Christ that though things may not happen the way we want to on this earth, we throw our confidence upon Christ that one day all will be as it should be as we are with him forever. So I want to keep increasing your faith here as we move through these stories. This is the very last one. I want to increase your faith on this last story. Look at verse 27 and 28. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this for you? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And I like it. These blind men, they're, they're blind. And yet they can see so much better than those who have sight during his time. They call Jesus son of David, which is a reference to him being the Messiah. And they know good theology. They know that when the Messiah shows up, all types of manifestations will start happening, like the dead will be raised. Huh, dead were just raised. Uh, The lame will walk. Lepers will be healed. The deaf will hear. And they also know that when the Messiah shows up, the blind will see. So to some extent, I don't know all that's going on in their mind theologically, but they recognize that Jesus is the son of David, the one who was to come, and so they're crying out to him for mercy. And, and I like it. Jesus doesn't heal them right away. He doesn't just say, bam, you're healed. He, he tries to increase their faith even more. Look at the question he asks. He says, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Oh, it's good. He's like, come on. Come on, let's stir up your faith even more. Do you believe? And, and and then they, of course, they do. And then look at verse 29. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away, and I love this. Spread his fame throughout all that district. That they, they didn't go out and say, Wasn't my faith awesome? (laughs) They go out and spread his fame. They spread the fame of Jesus. They magnify and glorify his name as he is the one who healed them, the Messiah, the Son of David. His manifestations are all over these pages that their faith was a means to this healing. He heals, he raises the dead, he gives sight to the blind, and we know he brings us spiritual salvation through means of faith. And as we exhibit faith, it magnifies Christ. So here's what we're going to do here. Most of you would like to increase your faith. I mean, not for your, your own self in the sense of magnifying yourself. You know, I, I know you know that. Most of you would like to take steps in obedience to the commands of God. Most of you would love to obey wherever the Lord is leading you. And you know that comes through focusing on the faithfulness of God. But it also comes when others stir you up. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to you just real briefly as your pastor. Like I said, I don't know all of you, but I know, I know most of you, and I, and I love you very much, and I want to speak to you as your pastor, and I know I'm always speaking to you as your pastor, but sometimes I'm in your face and you kind of wonder. But this right now, I'm speaking to you as your pastor. Um, where in your life right now do you need to exhibit faith that magnifies Christ? Like, what, what, what's going on right now? Like, where, where is faith needed? For those of you who are in bondage, I don't know what word you want to use. You're an you're, you're addiction or you're stuck in idolatry. So many times when we're stuck in addictions and idolatry, we like to have the whole course planned out, and we would like to know when we're going to be free totally, right? Like, well, I don't want to start anything yet from by dealing with my idols until I know how I'm going to kill them. But let me just encourage you, for those of you who are stuck and just, you just can't maneuver out of the bondage for whatever reason, to start moving in the direction a trajectory of Christ, thinking of some ways, being around other believers on how you can move toward the area of healing. And as you move toward killing and slaying your idols and dealing with addiction and, idol- and bondage, as you move in that direction, look for other people who have exhibited faith. Did you know that what you're dealing with right now, there are people in this congregation who have walked that similar road and they're, they're way down here. And I just want to encourage you to throw yourself around those people. If you're dealing with something, find someone who has also struggled. Walk with them. Have them walk with you and encourage you by their faith. Now, that's issues of addiction. Now, on another issue altogether, for those of you who have these grand visions and dreams that you want to do these magnificent things for the Lord because you believe that he's called you and that he has led you, I just want to say something. Rather than figuring out your end goal, like, I mean, how many of you would love to see your whole life go ahead and play out up into your grand dream and vision? You'd love to know how it's going to play out and how you're going to end up here, right? All of you would love to know that. But see, that's like, what what kind of faith is that going to take? If God said, this is where you're going to end up. This is how it's going to happen. You don't need me. That's not the way it works. So here's here's what I want to encourage you to do. As you have your big vision, your big dream, let me encourage you to take these steps of faith along the way. And did you know these small steps of faith along the way will magnify Jesus just as much as this big grand vision of yours? It's like, it's like the classic example of a missionary. Missionaries, most of them want to go to the foreign field, right? They want to be missionaries. They want to go tell other people about Jesus. They have this big vision that when they get on the field, they're going to just be this awesome evangelist. That starts now. You start sharing your faith now and move in that direction. And the small steps will glorify the Lord just as much as being on the field. And for those of you who, let's say, I, I, some of you won't want to care for orphans. You want to start this amazing orphanage. But, but for now, you, you, you don't really care too much about kids. <laughs> and, and Small steps of faith would be like, okay, I'm going to start serving others by babysitting kids right now. And, and you can start with my family if you'd like. So, <laughs> so, I, and some of us have these, these great ideas. I mean, I've talked to some of these great ideas to how to help the poor. You have these great projects in mind. You're, I mean, you, you have it all set up. You should be working for You should take over the UN. I mean, you have these huge... But, but, but I want to encourage you along the way, like, there's people around you that are hungry that you could take out to lunch right now. These little small steps along the way. And I don't know if you know this, but sitting next to you are many guys in here who want to be pastors. And they can't wait till that day, till they have their own church they just kind of envision themselves leading and and preaching and and shepherding people. I I want to say, along the way, who are you shepherding now? I mean, when I was in seminary, I led this humongous college group of nine people. (laughs) It's like, okay, that's who I was shepherding at the time. Who are you shepherding along the way? And for those of you who want to get married one day, and you want to have this godly marriage, and you want to have this godly family, and it seems like it's way out here. I'm wondering, what steps are you taking right now of faith to walk in godliness yourself? Because the little steps along the way, I believe, magnify Jesus just as much as the end goal that you have in mind. And, and, And as we're, you're stepping out, and you're walking and you're walking, and you're walking, trust me, you are going to need people to encourage you. You're going to need people who have walked this way before, who have exhibited great faith, and you're going to say, good, it actually can be done. I can actually persevere because I have you in my life encouraging me, and so I'm going to keep walking because you've done it, and I'm going to follow after you, or we're going to walk this faith, walk together. Last week, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was at an orphan care conference. I was, uh, was surrounded by people who, some of them are building orphanages, doing these magnificent works in other countries for, for orphans. And they're just exhibiting great faith. And, and I was so encouraged when I was there. But one of the couples um, that I met while I was there, we knew them prior. They live in the Chicagoland area. And their names are Carolyn and Kiel Tweetmeyer. Has anybody ever heard of the Tweetmeyers? Anybody? Like nobody. Okay, good. Oh, maybe somebody. Well, this is good because if you never heard of them, I'm going I'm to introduce you to them right now. Um, they, they've been led by God to do some pretty crazy things. God has called them. I mean, I'm not serious. What I'm about to tell you is true. This is not a lie. God has called them to step out in faith, and to care for those who are suffering and to bring them into their house as their kids. And one of the main groups, that, I say groups, I don't know how to explain this, but God has called them to adopt kids with HIV. Now, let me tell you this. If you want pushback in our culture, adopt kids with HIV. Show up at school and say, yeah, here are my kids, uh, by the way, they, they have HIV. You want to play date with him? You want pushback in your faith. And so as I'm going along, I'm going, and we, we've interacted with them before, and we're like, oh, this is, you guys are amazing. This is great faith. And it's not focusing on them, it's focusing on Jesus. And so um, I saw her, like I said, last week. And a month ago, they adopted another child. But this time, they adopted a child with Down syndrome. And you may wonder why we don't see Down syndrome people around much anymore. It's because 9 out of 10 are aborted. That's why you don't see them. When I was growing up, they're everywhere. But now we just kill them. It's, but by faith? She's like, no, no, that's not going to happen by faith. She brings this new baby into her home. And, and, and they're older than us. Oh, and by the way, they have 14 kids. By faith. Stepping out. Okay, 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 14 kids. Okay, come on in. Come on in. And they have been, maybe you've seen, they've, they've been in People magazine, they've been on the Today Show, they've been on Focus on the Family, Family Life. And I was thinking, man, it sure would be great if I could bring her here and just interview her here at our church. I'm like, and I asked them, I said, hey, would you just come over to our church? And you just live, you know, down the road somewhere in Chicago. And they said, sure. So next week, I'm going to interview her up here because I just want you to meet them because I want your faith to be spurred on by others. I mean, you might not want to care for orphans. That's fine. That's fine. You can do something else. But may their faith spur you on. And let me just kind of put some information up for you. Just check this out. So next week, I'm going intervi- to interview her. Carolyn, Tumai, she's, a, she's the director of Project Hopeful. You'll see that more next week. It's an advocacy and adoptions for special needs orphans, HIV, AIDS, Down syndrome, and more. Let's go on to the next one. This is her family. So she has two kids with HIV, one with Down syndrome, Um, She's the founder of Project Hopeful, and she's an advocate, and I like this part, and a social stigma crusher. (laughs) Isn't that great? She's helped adoptive families, bring hundreds of kids home from 15 countries around the world. They're they're pretty amazing. And then this is the story you'll hear next week. You're going to put this up? So this is her daughter. Uh, When she was 11, she weighed 32 pounds. And this is her when she she brought her home three months later and so we're going to talk about and maybe this girl will be here next week we're going to talk about her story i don't want to tear it all now because it's be pretty amazing but the reason why i'm bringing her and i'm going to interview her is because i really want your faith to be encouraged to step out wherever god's calling you to step out because as we do this journey we need people in our lives who actually believe jesus that he is so worthy and he's so valuable he's like worth so much that you're going to step out on faith And trust Him. So powerful. Once again, we are not elevating faith. We are elevating Christ and magnifying Him. And there's no greater way we do that in our salvation. And so today is going to be a special day. In about two and a half hours, we are going to have some baptisms. I don't know if everybody's here. If If you're getting baptized today, will you stand up? Where are you? There's one, there's two. I can't see everybody. Well, anyway, you guys can sit down. Thank you. Now, um, you come and hear their stories, about two and a half hours, like I said. Think of how awesome it is. They're, 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 they're magnifying Jesus and what God has done in their life. John over here is going to be baptized. Uh, I've seen a little bit of his story. When John, uh, th- there's a time in his life where he was elevating the world. Like drugs, that he was magnifying drugs. I mean, he's gonna tell a story of actually on one of his drug trips going to hell for about five hours. If that don't convert you, I don't know what will. That's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. But it's the faith and the trajectory they're saying, okay. I believe in the death of Jesus that is sufficient to save me from my sins, and they magnify Christ. I believe in the resurrection of Jesus that is true and sufficient for my justification. I throw everything I can upon him. And we need those stories. We need them now. We all have stories of our conversion, but we need to keep hearing them, that God is still converting people. He's still saving people, and we do it all to magnify him. So if you're not doing anything after lunch, come on now. Come hear some powerful stories of what God is doing, still saving people, and may you be stirred up, and may we all magnify Christ together. Let's pray. Jesus, you are worthy to receive all our trust and all of our confidence and all of our faith. We throw all that we are upon you, and Lord, if there's areas in our lives that we're reluctant, or there's areas in our life where we don't believe, there's areas in our life where our flesh is just crying out, no, don't believe. Lord, I ask by your grace that you would give gifts of faith out abundantly today. That your spirit would be alive within us to stir us up. I, I know there's men and women here who need to take steps of faith out of sin. There's men and women here who need to take steps of faith. Uh, in that next direction of a dream or vision that you're calling them to or obedience to your commands. And I just ask, Lord, that you stir us up. I, I, as we sing these last two songs, Lord, stir us up to actually believe that you are more real than anything that we can see, that you are more real than all of the, the, the scoffers and the doubters that they can just, just pass away, that you will remain forever. So stir us up continually, Lord, and make we just spur one another on, continue to walk with you and magnify you. In Christ's name, amen.